0: Folks, if it's not about the mission, what is it about? If it's not about souls being saved and brought into the kingdom, what is it about? Amen? We have one life to live, and God is calling us to use everything that we have, right? We're going to have all of eternity to do the things that we want to do, but this life that God has given to us, God wants us to make the greatest impact that we can, amen? Church, the way you know that a family is growing, the way you know that a church is successful is not by how many members attend. It's not about how great the tithe and offering is. It's about seeing souls changed. Amen? And I just praise God for that offering call that Mario gave. It was powerful. I appreciate that, brother. I hope you continue to do more offering calls. I just, you know, I'm really blessed to be part of this awesome movement. Amen? You know, it's times like this that when you see God move in powerful and great ways, when you see him doing awesome things in the church, it should also be a warning to us that he is moving in special ways and we want to be part of that. Amen? He's coming soon. Do you believe that? Amen. You know, this week, or a couple weeks ago, I actually had the privilege of uh, visiting Bud Bistro, his funerals today. I visited him with uh, Pastor Keith and some of the elders anointing service, and uh, we went there, and we were, ex- you know, expected to encourage this man, this faithful Adventist, as he laid on that bed. It was awesome to see what took place. We prayed for him, we anointed him, and right after that, you know what he does? You know what this brother begins to do? He starts admonishing each one of the elders. He starts encouraging us. That's powerful. Amen. Even in death, even in death, the Spirit of God is convicting the living. Can you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. Why don't we start with the word of prayer? we got a lot to cover in just a short amount of time, and there are some things that are impossible for a nail cannon, and that's preaching a 15-minute sermon. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, thank you for reminding me that it's important to be Martha's, but right now it's important for us to be Marys. God, we want to sit at your feet right now we just want to pray and ask that the Spirit of God would convict us and teach us the things that we need to know in these times. Lord, our hearts are open. We pray that we would have the mind of Christ in receiving the Spirit of God, that we would be open and trusting as you were when you were on earth 2,000 years ago. We pray that every heart would be convicted by the Spirit of God, that no one would leave change, unchanged. Father, we just thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really exciting. The name of the sermon is called, For Such a Time as This. For Such a Time as This. Does anybody know what book in the Bible that this, is, this verse is found? The book of Esther, right? And it's really awesome. When you read the book of Esther... Uh, you know, it, it's, it's powerful because many times when they have like a women's Bible study, you know, they always read the book of Esther and the book of Ruth, and the guys will read like 1 Samuel and David and Moses and things like that, but you know, I, I've been studying the book of Esther the last week, and I have been tremendously blessed by that. Can you say amen to that? So I want to challenge you this week to, to pick up that book, and I want you to read it powerfully, and I believe that God is going to speak in mighty ways. When you read the book of Esther, there is a a word that comes to mind, and that word is providence. What word did I say? Providence. Providence. Now, when you also read that book, one of the things that you'll notice is that there is no mention of God whatsoever in that book. You read every other book in the Bible, and you will find that the word God and the word Lord and the word Jesus is mentioned, but when you read the book of Esther, the word God is not mentioned. And the more I've come to study that book, I've come to realize that that was very intentional by the author. Why? Because what your job is, is as you read that, you are to see what is between the lines. You are to see what God is doing behind the scenes. And as you read the passages of Esther, you will have to fill in the blanks, and you will see and you will tell that God was here in this event in the life of Esther. He was here during this event in the life of Esther. He was here in this event in the life of Esther. But if you read the book of Esther with worldly eyes, you will see no mention of God. The book of Esther is meant to be read with faith and discernment. And you will see the extraordinary in what appears to be the ordinary. And so what we're gonna be doing today, we're gonna be taking a good look at the book of Esther. And so open your Bible. Let's turn to the book of Esther right now. The book of Esther. And if you have the page number, go ahead and call it out. 470. 470. Thank you, Mario. There's a reason why you got baptized. All right. The book of Esther, chapter 1. The book of Esther. I want you to pay attention to verse 1. It is powerful. Are you ready for this? Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus also known as Xerxes. This was Ahasuerus, who reigned over the 127 provinces from where? That's right. (laughs) It's the only mention of India in the Bible. You know, someone made a remark that when Keith leaves that this place is going to turn to India. I just want to let you guys know that uh, India welcomes everybody. Amen? (laughs) So... But uh, praise the Lord. What you do see here is you starting off with the, the reign of this king, the reign of Xerxes, and you see what he had conquered. You see what he had conquered. He was the, this was the medieval persian Empire. They were the then ruling empire of the entire world during that time period. And this is the time period in which Esther comes into the story. Esther is just a, a Jewish girl. Her parents are dead. She has an uncle by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai is a faithful Jewish patriot who happens to live in the city of Shushan, the very capital of Medio and Persia, where King Xerxes was. And this is where the story takes place. It's very remarkable. What happens is that the king has a queen, and one day in the midst of a banquet where he's very drunk, he decides to call his queen so that he can look at her and so all his wise men can see the beautiful woman that he had married. And as he he sends for her, she, not wanting to make a scene, says, I'm not going to go. Her name was Queen Vashti. She decides not to go. The king is embarrassed. He turns to his wise men and he says, what are we going to do about this situation? It's embarrassing. Imagine what all the women are going to do when they find out about this. There'll be no more respect for men. The Bible actually describes these were the words of the men. So they decide that she is now removed from her position. We're going to get a bunch of maidens, and we're going to choose another beautiful queen for you, king. And Esther, also known as Hadassah, gets taken. And in this this sort of pool of beautiful women, the king is blown away by how beautiful she is, how gracious she is, how wonderful she is, and he decides that she is going to be queen. But one thing the king doesn't know, and many people don't know, is that she was also Jewish. Her identity was hid. The only other individuals who knew about it was Mordecai and a few of the eunuchs. And there was one other individual in this story, his name was Haman. The Bible says he was an Agite. He was one of the nations that the Israelites were commanded to destroy earlier on in the period of Israel's history, but they failed to do it, and because of their failure to destroy this nation that was very terrible and very violent, it led to several of their children growing up and wanting to destroy the entire Jewish nation. Now, Haman has no idea that Esther is a Jew, but he's well aware there is a couple Jews in the city, one by the name of Mordecai, who doesn't give him reverence. And Haman, in his high and holy position, decides that he is going to hatch a plan to get this, this rebel Jew killed. He doesn't like them. His people never liked them. There's a bad history between them. And so what he decides one day is he is going to get this man killed. He's going to get Mordecai killed. And the way he does it is this. He hatches a scheme in which he tries to tell the king. He says, king there are a group of people who are rebellious and they need to be destroyed. Give the word and we will destroy these people. Now, the king has no idea who this is. He knows who Haman is, but he has no idea who these people are. So he says, all right, Haman, you're my trusted counselor. I know you'll take care of this rebel group. And so the decree goes out on a certain day that all the Jewish people are to be killed in that city and throughout the entire territory of Xerxes. But what happens is remarkable. Mordecai, realizing what's going on, and knowing that his niece is in the palace, he goes up to his niece and he says, Esther, we're in big trouble. There is a decree that's about to go out that's going to wipe out the entire is- a nation of Israel, and you need to stop it. You need to do something about it. And this is the context where the book of Esther culminates to one central verse. Take your Bible, go to Esther chapter 4. And let's start with verse 13. Esther chapter 4 starting with verse 13. Are we all there? Okay, let's read. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come, will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Now watch what he says in the next verse. This is the key verse. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as what? This. Mordecai lays a challenge to Esther and he says, look, God has brought you to this point. There is a pivotal time in earth's history right then and there. There's more at stake than you really realize. And this is more than just coincidence. It's more than just randomness. God's providence is behind this. You have been placed in this particular position to say something. To say something. To speak out. And if you don't do it, somebody else will. He lays a heavy burden upon Esther but he's also charging her that God has brought her to this very point because what she can do or what she has the potential to do will change the future of Israel. This is remarkable. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, praise the Lord that God put somebody like Esther. God is placing you through his providence in positions every single day that have life impacting eternal cha- eternal e- what is the word I'm trying to trying to get at eternity uh, just I'm just tongue tied right now but you know what I'm trying to say but here's the thing, folks. I want you to understand this. This is going to change all of eternity. What you think happens to you every single day may sound like coincidence. And it may feel like randomness. And it may feel like it's just, well, it's just a, a sort of fluke that happened to me this, that day. But I want to let you know that there are purposes involved more than you really realize. There are God's purposes, and there are Satan's purposes. And there is a great controversy happening every single day. And so the random events that seem to take place around your life, every single day, I want to let you know that there is providence in that. Now I found a great definition of the word providence. General providence is basically the idea that God holds up the universe to his continuous power. And then there is something called special providence, where you see God's activity in your life. Now, people have heard about providence. They have heard about God's special favor and power in the life of people. Sometimes we hear these powerful testimonies of what takes place. But many times we're asking ourselves, wait a second, how can I be part of God's providence? If God is doing awesome things, awesome things in earth's history right now, how can I be part of it? I want to be part of what God is doing. Amen? Do you want to be part of what God's doing? I want to let you guys know today that today he wants to reveal how you can be part of God's plans, the movements that are taking place in all the entire world. You, one day, through a series of providence, a series of events, can be called to stand before kings and queens and the most powerful people in this world to share a testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. Folks, we got one life to live. You want God to do big things for you? It's quiet in here. Do you want God to do big things through you? Are you sure about that? I I need to ask that one more time. Do you want God to do big things through you this year? Then you need to be where God is at. You need to be where God is at. And so what we're going to be doing for the sermon, for the remainder of the sermon, we're going to be looking at how we can be part of God's providence. We want to be knowing where God is at, and we want to be part of that. Can you say amen to that? Okay, for the first step of providence, the first step in understanding providence is this, is allowing yourself to be part of God's providences. You know how it starts? Every single morning. Watch what Ellen White says here. It's beautiful. She says, consecrate yourself to God when? In the evening. In the morning, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Notice it doesn't say turn to your cell phones, turn on the TV, take a shower. It says make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. Now watch what she says. This is a daily matter. Each morning consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus day by day you may be giving your life into the hands of God and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. There are many people who want to experience God's providences. But folks, I want you to understand, you have to allow God to have those providences in your life. And you know where it starts? Do you know when it starts? It starts every morning when you give God permission. You know how that takes place? When you surrender your plans, no matter how prepared they are, when you're willing to surrender your plans and you're willing to say, okay, God, I have my schedule for today, but I'm going to surrender everything today and I want to lay it right down at your feet that you may guide as you see fit. And then you trust that whatever takes place during that day, God has a purpose in it. Can you say amen to that? And folks, let me tell you something. I have a series of appointments that I set every day. And I'll set these appointments. But I begin that morning by saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want to take place, let it take place. I'm going to surrender all my appointments to you. And the most remarkable things happen every single day. People who are supposed to show up for one appointment don't end up showing up. And somebody happens to walk into the office that day and they say, hey, can I talk to you? At that very moment... And I realize providence is there. Because God is in control of my life. A man devises his way, but the Lord directs his footsteps when you give God permission. Do you want to give God permission? Here's another thing to take a look when it comes to providence is this. Is recognizing providence. We're allowing providence. How about recognizing providence? Now watch what Paul says right here in Philippians chapter 1 through 12. 1 and 12. 1 verse 12. Sorry about that. Look what he says. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things that have, what? Happened unto me have led to the, what? Now, what did Paul realize about the random events in his life? What did he realize about the sort of unusual things that would take place in his life every single day? What was the objective? What would it lead to? The, What? The furtherance of the what? The gospel. Folks, do you look at life every single day the way that God looks at life? Or do you look at life in such a way where you're thinking to yourself, God loves everybody else, but the very fact that these things happen to me, God must not love me. Folks, there are awesome things God is wanting to accomplish and the trials that happen to us each and every day. God wants to bring out something powerful through those things. Paul, Paul who was persecuted, Paul who was gossiped about, Paul who was, you know, stoned twice, Paul who was, who was always being chased by people who wanted to kill him. Could have been somebody who said, God doesn't love me because everything bad is happening to me. I'm just not a good minister and probably walk off, but no. He realized that in everything that would happen to him, because his life was submitted to Christ, that it would lead to the furtherance of the gospel, that there was somebody here who needed to be reached. Now, your car might have got stolen today. It actually happened to a church member today. But God can bring good out of that. Even in situations like that, it can lead to the furtherance of the gospel. You know what even Joseph said right here? Look what he said. Think about Joseph. Joseph was put in prison for many years. He had no control of it. He didn't do anything bad. But look what he says at the end of it. Talking to his brothers. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God, what? Meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day. Now watch what he says. Is the reason Why? To save much people alive. Because of the things that happened to Joseph, and because he was recognizing the providence of God, he could say at the very end of it, Look, this is leading to many people being saved, and all of Egypt, including his own family, were saved by the trials that came to him. You know, one day I was, uh, I was driving and I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm going to just pull over on the side of the road, I gotta type something up real quickly. And so I pulled over on the side of the road, just not too far away from my house. And I just sat there and I was like, typing up something real quick. And all of a sudden, I see this guy running out of the house. He's just running out of this house, he's a young guy. And he's just taking off, and I'm just looking, I'm just like, that's, that's strange. I mean, he just like, it wasn't like he was jogging, he was wearing jeans, he was wearing tennis shoes. And all of a sudden the door flies open and you see him just running off. I run like an old man right now, okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I'm just looking at that, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's unusual. So I look back on my computer, I begin typing, and all of a sudden, I see this man come running out with this bat. And I'm looking, I'm like, well, that's strange. You know, and I'm just continuing typing on my computer, and all of a sudden, I see the guy, the older guy run, walk back, and he's walking back, just hunched over like this, and he has something in his hand. And I said, that's really unusual. So I was trying not to, you know, be in people's business. You know what I'm talking about? So anyway, so I'm just looking up and down, trying to make eye contact with this guy. And then he walks into his house, and he walks right out again, and he walks up to my car. And he says, let me tell you something. He was drunk. And he says, let me tell you something. Did you see that guy run out of my house? I go, yeah. He's like, he just broke into my house, and he stole some of my stuff. He was a thief. And then he says, I saw him, I chased him down, and I caught him, and I knocked him out. And I'm just looking at him, and my computer just like this. <laughs> when random things are happening to you, you need to start asking the question, is the gospel trying to be furthered here right now? Now, you're thinking to yourself, what can come out of somebody being knocked out right now? Let me just tell you what took place. And I said, wow, that, so that guy just broke into your house? He's like, he just broke into my house. I caught him, and he's on the ground, way over there. And he's like, can you be a witness? And I said, well, I mean, I can share with the police at least what I saw, you know? I just saw a guy running out of the house. And he's like, okay. And he just, he has his hand right on my car, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should just leave right now, <laughs> But he's just drunk, and he's just like, he's like, you know, I just feel really bad. I go, why do you feel really bad? He's like, I I hurt that guy. And I said, hmm. And I go, how bad did you hurt him? And he's like, well, he's laying on the ground bleeding over there. And I go, okay. And he's like, man, I just feel really terrible right now. Did I do what was right? You know, and I'm fumbling for words right there, and I'm just saying, well, at least you got your stuff back. Like, you can be a a trained speaker, but there is no training for life's events. And so he's just like, Yeah? And so I was like, Hey, can I pray with you right now? He's like, Yeah. And you know what this brother does? In the middle of the street, right there on the side, it was a small street, he gets on his knees right next to my car. And here we are, and I'm just, I put my eye open, I'm just seeing this funny event. Like, here's this drunk guy, I'm praying with him in the street. And he just knocked out somebody, and he's feeling bad about it. So I was like, okay. So I said, okay. And I start praying, and I said, Jesus, thank you for helping this man get back his stuff. And Lord, we pray for that other person that he would not be hurt. We also pray for my brother here that he would know that if he confesses his sins to you, Lord, he will be forgiven. That very moment, when we're done praying, he opens his eyes and he said, Thank you so much. I needed that. You know, it's really strange. The things that happen to us every single day, the potential is there to lead to the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. There are things happening in your life every single day that seem random. But if you submit the situation to God and you say, Lord, is there somebody here you want me to talk to right now? Is there a person you're leading me to at this very moment? that I can be a blessing to. You know, Esther, she was charged with this very thing, this thing that, look, if you don't say something, somebody else will. You know what Mordecai was telling Esther? God's going to accomplish his purpose with or without you. But you know what his will is? His will is for you to be part of his purpose. Now, did you know you can thwart God's will? Did you know that? Did you know it's God's will for every person here to be saved? But you can thwart God's will by what? Choosing not to be saved. But there is one thing you cannot thwart. God's purposes. His purposes will be accomplished. His purpose is is to come back and have a people who are redeemed. It is His will, though, that you be part of that redeemed. And God was making it very clear to Esther, look, God wants to use you at this very moment. It's His plan. It's His will. But you can choose to say no to that. But then Mordecai adds a warning. If you choose not to be part of what God is wanting it could potentially lead to your destruction. Not that God was causing the destruction, but many times the very providences and events that God puts us in are for our own benefit, our own salvation. And so random things that happen to us each and every day, God is working something out for our good. Can you say amen to that? God is working something out for our good. Praise the Lord, amen? So number one, allowing God's providences to take place every single day. Number two, recognizing God's providences. Number three, acting upon God's providences. And I promise you this, that if you have this frame of mind, that if you have this frame of mind, you will see God work in powerful ways. And part of acting on God's providences is being Christ-like. Can you say amen to that? You know, there are three reasons for providences. Ready for this? Number one, it's to give you a greater knowledge and experience with God. Number two, it's for the salvation of somebody else. And number three, it may be an answer to something you're praying about. But it's very important that during that time when you begin to recognize things, no matter what, that you are staying connected to Christ and you are responding as Christ in every situation that you're put in regardless of how random and inconvenient it may be, I read something powerful the other day. So powerful. It was in a devotional. By Ellen way, she says this. Do not think to yourself that you are a necessity for God's work. She then says, the moment you begin to think that, you will be removed and God will find somebody else who will take your place, and I love what she says next then the work will go out with greater power. I have to constantly, I have to tell myself every day, Anel, God doesn't need you, but he wants you. And if he needs me to step out of the way, I will step out of the way here. I do not want to ever be caught going against God's purposes in this church, in my daily life. Like Gamiel said about the Christians to the other Jewish leaders, we don't want to be going against God's purposes or we'll be fighting against God Himself. You know, the other day I had to send some transcripts over to the college. I took a few classes there. And uh, so I called at my other college and they said, well, before we can r- release your transcripts, we're going to have to send you to the finance person. I said, okay. You know, they're going to check out your account. So I said, alright. So they sent me to the finance person. I'm a little bit agitated. I always get agitated on my phone. I'm just, it's just my weakness. And so... So they connect me to the finance person, and the person says, you actually have a little bit more debt on your account. It needs to be paid. And I said, are you kidding me? This stuff is already taken care of like years ago. And I start just mouthing off. Wait, don't think to yourself that pastors are superhuman, okay? We're normal people. No excuse for sin, though. But I start mouthing off, okay? And I hang up the phone on her. And I felt the conviction at that very moment. Anel, you need to call that lady up and you need to apologize for your rude behavior. And I did what every human does. I thought of a billion excuses. (laughs) Oh, she'll just forgive me and she'll get over it. No problem, Lord. And then you'd probably pretend to do something else, like, okay, I'm going to go cooking today, you know. Or I'm going to go pass out some glow. Make yourself feel better about it. You know, it's like, go call that lady up. Walk away. You know, you turn on the shower, go call that lady up. You know, you start singing praise, you know, praise to the, go call that lady up. And, you know, over and over again, it's just hitting you. You, you need to call that lady up. Now I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe just God wants me to apologize to that lady and I'll be done with, you know. So I said, you know what? I need to humble myself for my attitude. So I called her up and I said, you know what? I just want to call you up one more time as a finance lady. I'm so sorry. I have misrepresented Christ to you, forgive me. And she said, it's okay, I forgive you. As soon as I hung up, I get a call right afterwards and it's the lady who's in charge of the transcription. She says, hey, we got the okay from the the academic dean. He said, don't worry about your finances. We're gonna send those transcripts, no problem to you. And I realized something at that very moment. God was wanting to answer that prayer but I hindered it by my character. By my lack of Christ in me, I hindered the providences of God. God wanted to help me in that situation. But because of my attitude in that situation, I held God back. And Satan said, I have territory here. But when I gave God that chance again, he stepped in and he says, watch what I'll do for you now and now. Folks, I want to let you know something. Every single day there are providences happening to us. We've got to allow God to, to do his will in our life. Amen? We've got to recognize it, that there's maybe somebody here who needs to be reached. We've got to act on it. Amen? I want to share a story with you and we're done. Very interesting story. Ravi Zacharias talks about it in his book called From Walking from East to West, near the very end of his testimony. He'd gone to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and he was ministering to the soldiers over there. And he had a Vietnamese translator. His name was Finn Lam. And so he worked with this translator. They traveled all over Vietnam. And then Ravi had to take off, go back to America. And it was years later that he found his translator, who was now older and he was a successful businessman. But then he told Ravi, he said, I have a very interesting story to tell you. And he said, what? He said, after you left, I was captured by the VC, Viet Cong, and they tried to make me give up my faith. They forced me to read communist propaganda. And he said, while I, was, while I was in prison, he said, I began to wonder whether or not the whole thing about God was just a big lie. Then he said that the commander was very brutal towards him, took his Bible from him, yell and scream at him, forced him to do unusual things, and then he says, look, you're going to work in the latrines for the rest of your life and here's this man who once served Christ and he's trying to understand what in the world's going on How, how is God part of this he didn't have his Bible anymore and he lost his faith and there he was working in latrines and as he's cleaning out the pipes he starts seeing pages coming through the pipes and he cleans them off and there were pages from his Bible. Unfortunately, the commander was using the Bible as toilet paper. But the Bible returned to him. And he realized that there was providence in this. And he began to, to study the gospel again that was, came through this pipe. No matter how dirty it is, it's still the word of God. Amen? And his faith is renewed. And in that prison, he begins sharing the gospel with many prisoners. And many prisoners gave their heart to Jesus. One day day they decide to escape. They make a run for it. And as they get right down to the river, there's a boat there. And some VC soldiers approach them. And they say, what are you doing here? Our friend, he's a Christian. He's not going to lie about it. What would you do in that situation? And if they caught you escaping, that's the end of you. And he realized, you know what, I need to be Christ-like even here in case that my brothers and sisters are killed, that they will see a faithful witness. And he says, you know what, we're escaping. And then the soldiers say, can we come with you too? (laughs) They actually jumped into the boat and they escaped as well. Now that brother shares his testimony everywhere. God's providences. You want to be part of God's providences every day in your life? Every day, allow Him. Start recognizing what's happening. Say, Lord, who is it that you want me to share with? Act upon it. Amen? Every single day, God's willing to do that. Let's pray, church family. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, that what may seem like random events, even today, Lord, even on the Sabbath, maybe we got a phone call today, or maybe... Something happened today, Lord, or maybe we're just here at church for our first time. But God, we know that there are providences behind that, that you are trying to reach us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace. We praise you that in the light of eternity, we will look back and we will see all the events that led led up for us to see who you really are, God. May we be more and more part of what you are doing. In Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.